Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you today. Popular psychology tells us that we must believe in ourselves. Without going into the validity of that advice, I'll just say that I often have a hard time following it. When I was young, still in school, I I felt that a very high bar had been set for me. It was all about grades, achievement, making the honor roll, and then if you measured up, you would get a scholarship to a good college. Success. I didn't measure up. I didn't flunk out or anything, but I didn't clear that high bar of academic achievement. I guess I don't have the attention span that's necessary to get straight A's. I start out to study, but my mind's always running in multiple channels, and I find that there are a hundred other things that seem more interesting than what I'm supposed to be focused on. Of course, as I was growing up in a devoutly Christian home, there was also the need to keep the commandments and be righteous. One verse that was taught to me quite effectively was, Be sure your sins will find you out. At the time, I didn't know that that was Numbers 32, 23, but it didn't matter. Those words were burned into my young soul, and I had plenty of sins waiting around to find me out. I wonder how many people listening have had similar feelings in their lives. It doesn't have to be grades. It could be looks or any number of things, even how clean you kept your room when you were a kid. Maybe some of you are burdened with feelings of inadequacy that were pressed into you by a parent who was overbearing and overcritical. Now, let me assure you that I don't blame my parents for any feelings of not measuring up that I had growing up. It was just the culture of the time and the pressure from teachers at our school that led, I think, to this feeling. But for whatever reason, there are a multitude of people in this world who just don't think they're as good as they ought to be. For all of us, there is good news. You know, feelings of inadequacy usually come to us from people in authority over us, whether parents or teachers. I want to talk about someone in authority who's there to help. Let me start by looking at a famous Bible character named Peter. Now, I have no idea how Peter felt about himself. He may have been brimming with self-confidence for all I know, but that doesn't matter. We can learn a lot about Peter from the account of his life after he met Jesus in the Gospels. We know that he often spoke first and thought about it after. Oh, how I can relate to that. We also know that when Peter saw perhaps for the first time the power of God in the work of the life of Jesus Christ, he was struck with a deep sense of conviction that caused him to fall at the feet of Jesus saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And then, of course, we all know what happened to Peter after Jesus had been arrested and was standing before the authorities. When those milling around that night saw him in the crowd, they recognized him as someone who had been a follower of Christ. Three times, Peter denied knowing Jesus. This was no doubt the lowest point of his life. When the crisis came and the pressure was greatest, he failed. He didn't stand strong when it mattered most. How awful Peter felt about this. But let me go back for a bit to the time 
when he first met Jesus. When John the Baptist gave witness to Jesus, many of his disciples began to follow him. The first chapter of the Gospel of John says, One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Notice what Jesus said when he first met this man. You are Simon, you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Cephas, or you may used to be used to pronouncing it Cephas, but anyway, it's Aramaic, and Peter is Greek for rock. Jesus said to him, you will be a rock. Remember that in the Bible, names are given as emblematic of character. Jesus wasn't just saying that Peter is a nicer sounding name than Simon. He was prophesying what this man would become. This was at least three years before that awful night when Peter showed himself to be anything but a rock, the night that he denied the Lord three times. But still, Jesus said, Peter, you will be a rock. Years ago in the first church I ever pastored, my dad recently retired from the ministry, taught a Sunday school class. He began with a study of Second Peter. In his introductory material about the author, he related this story of Jesus giving Simon a new name. He then said something that I have never forgotten and never will. He said about this encounter, aren't you glad Jesus believes in you when nobody else does? Those words touched my soul in an indelible way. This is the good news for all who grew up feeling you could just never be good enough. The highest authority there is, higher than your parents or some teacher or boss you couldn't please, Jesus Christ believes in you. Now that might sound strange to, or even irreverent to some people, but stay with me. Why does Jesus believe in you? simply because he is making you into that person you've always wanted to be. Jesus knew Peter was going to be a rock because he was going to make Peter a rock. Peter loved Jesus, even when he denied him in a moment of weakness. Jesus took him as he was and worked in his life. He used all the experiences Peter went through to form him into a beautiful image of himself, of Christ. He's doing that in your life as well. Think about these two verses. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is working in you. He has a vision for your life. Even if you can't see it yourself, his vision is to reproduce his own likeness in you. Another verse along these lines is Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word translated workmanship there is the Greek word from which we get our word poem. You are God's poem, his beautiful expression of his own likeness. You know, I've given up on myself many times, but Jesus has never given up on me because he knows what he himself is capable of. He, he did it with Peter, and he can do it with me, and he can do it with you. At the Last Supper, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you? Do you think God is going to answer his prayers? Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he, that's Jesus, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Save to the uttermost means that he will be able to finish the work he started in your life. You may feel like giving up on yourself, but Jesus will never give up on you. When it comes to you, Jesus is a true believer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that through Jesus Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit, you are at work in my life, and I believe you're at work in the lives of those who are listening to this message right now. God, help us to trust that you know what you're doing. Help us to trust that the grace of God is sufficient. It's not up to our uh, intellect. It's not up to just our hard work, but it's up to the grace of God. So, Lord Jesus, we trust you today. Lord, work in our lives. We are your workmanship. We are your poem that has, has been created. We have been created in Christ for good works that will bring you good pleasure. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in us, in your name. Amen. My dear friends, as God is working in you, as he's working in me, he's working in a group of people that I worship with every Sunday. And it's called the Bread of Life Anglican Church. We meet Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock at the American Legion Hall, which is located at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady, New York. If you live in that area, and if you don't have a church home, we would love to meet you. 10 o'clock Sunday, 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. And as always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God richly bless you.